Good morning, church, today. Blessings to you. You know, we sang that, that song about how we need the Lord. You know, the good news of that is that God's available. He's available. He's not a, some, you know, some distant planet, you know, and uh, somehow that we have to get his attention. The Bible says that he, he's, his eye is on the sparrow. He's already watching us, and he's just open for, he's waiting for that open invitation, you know. So uh, bless the Lord. God is, is, he's available today. And uh, uh, in such a way that he said, uh, once you become partners with him, he said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. So he said he'd always be with us. Well, it's so great to see so many people here this morning and obviously our friends and, you know, as we're going to dedicate a, a baby, a special boy. Before I do this morning, I want to take this opportunity and platform just to, uh, I think, talk about something that you'll agree with me on and, and then not just so whether we're in agreement, but, you know, uh, show us that there is a biblical template for uh, how to walk in uh, this hour in which we live. And, uh, it's a story of Daniel. Daniel is, he's just a teenager when he's captured and marched hundreds of miles into Babylon. In other words, he's taken to a total different country. He lived in a society that is way worse than ours. You know, we have a society today that, that you know, shameful things that once were hidden now are celebrated. Things that were previously unimaginable have become commonplace. We've gone from marginalized indifferences tell right hostility and so we need someone that can speak to us and help us how do we navigate Daniel when you look closely at it he steps in for us and gives us a recipe for this uh, confusion and sometimes fear that we often face. He offers us a life model and really not just to survive but how to thrive, uh, thrive in, in such an environment. His culture that he was placed into is much more wicked and counter God than, than what ours, but uh, and he survived it and he lived in a period of time when the education that he was given challenged everything that he believed. Not unlike what we have today. The education that's often perpetuated and 
even played out and lived out and, you know, is uh, challenges what you've been taught, what your kids have been taught. But in the midst of it all, Daniel kept faith. He not only kept faith, he excelled. He excelled in his studies. He excelled, you know, in his placement. His faith did not diminish, it actually grew. Now why is this so important? Well, Barna writes this. He says that 30% of the young people who grew up in Christian backgrounds, will, only 30% will remain faithful. That grew up in it. So 70% is being lost in the culture. So we need some keys. We need some keys. When you look at Daniel, he went through a half a dozen different kings in three dynasties, Babylonians, Medes, and Persians. So, I mean, he was bombarded with different perspectives throughout his, throughout his life. But Daniel learned how to cope with it. And I want to just, you know, to talk just for this moment, not just to the young parents that have kids, but to those that raise their kids and you've seen the fruit of your labor and they're serving the Lord and they're, they're connected. And uh, just because one job is done doesn't mean that there's not another job to do. Jesus didn't just pray for his own ministry. He prayed for the ministries of, that reaches to, to us today. And Daniel's secret weapon, you will notice, was prayer. His secret weapon was prayer. Accompanied with hope, the power of hope. He also walked with humility. Because you see, humility opens doors. Humility opens the door of God's grace to increase in your life, in my life. He gives grace to the humble. It's the, it's that road that grace is able to walk down. But then he also used wisdom. He used wisdom. He chose his battlefronts very wisely. And so with the power of hope, you know, that motivated him, the posture of humility and wisdom, he was able to successfully not only keep his faith, but he was also able to, you know, put faith in the lives of, of others. So I want to encourage you today that while we are, we believe in prayer, that's the one thing that's going to make the difference. Prayer. And Daniel thought that it was so important that, you know, he went three times a day. He backed up prayer with prayer. 
And he backed up that prayer with prayer. Because prayer is it's a powerful tool. Prayer is touching God. Prayer is communing with God. And prayer is more than just you and I asking for a request. And so, prayer has an immeasurable impact on the lives of your children. Why should you pray? Because it has an immeasurable impact. Your prayer goes before your children and clear the way for them to possess God's plan for their, their lives. Jesus said, I don't just pray for these, but I pray for those that are going to believe through their word. There is somebody, you know, somebody in your life that God has designed and arranged that's going to believe because of your word. You've got to get the word. Somebody's going to believe. Jesus said so. He said, I prayed for those that are going to believe through your word. Hallelujah. Prayer. Prayer carries into the future and awaits God perfect timing to be answered and fulfilled. Prayer is like boots on the ground. We just celebrated and honored the, the veterans. These people have been boots on the ground. In the midst of the conflict, the engagement, but that's what prayer is. The kind of prayer that paves the way for your children to live overcoming and God-honoring lives. I think that's what people want. I think that's what parents want. If you believe in Jesus, you know him, you know, you know the environment that we're living in. Prayer becomes the door that opens the world of God's grace and love and divine order in your child's life. Prayer shapes the destiny of a generation. You know, when Jacob gathered his children before him at his side of his bed in the last hours and moments of his life, he prophesied into their future, made the declaration of what God had and wanted in store for them. So, and I want to encourage you to speak and prophesy into the lives of your kids. Speak the living word. I know the plans I have for you, plans of good, so make sure that what you're speaking is good, because then it'll be in agreement. Plans that, you know, tomorrow is, it's not fading, it's enlightening. Don't worry about the journey that they take. 
keep your eyes upon the God that's going to take them on the journey. Oh, hallelujah. Getting the blessing of God to your house, is, of course, is it's a theme that I talk about quite a bit. And I'm still there in the blessing to your house. Um, that's why Jesus came. God had some blessings he wanted to get to your house. And so he came to, to remove the obstacles, the hindrances, those things, that thing that made you outside, that made you separated and detached, that horrible thing called sin, that transgression of God, that disobedience to God. And he, he paved it and he washed it in his blood to cleanse it so that now that you and I can literally stand in the presence of the holy God, the sinless God, the God without any fault, God who has never sinned, now, because of Jesus Christ, and you believing in him, believe in the atonement of Christ, believe in the sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ, you can stand in the presence of the almighty God. A presence that was so powerful, a presence that was, that, that, uh, uh, that if there was an individual that, that would come into the holy presence of God and there was not a sacrifice or something that had covered their sin, they would immediately die. Immediately die. Oh, you could function in the, you know, the parameters, but in the holy court of God... It was such a holy place, and if sin was to enter into that, the one that entered in would just be killed immediately. And now, because of Jesus Christ, we who are imperfect, we who are, you know, never without, you know, the blight of sin in the sense of if we say we have no sin, we're a liar. But we can come even though we might have sin because as we confess our sin, his blood cleanses us from our sin and, and all unrighteousness and then stand in the presence of the holy God without fear, without rebuke. Our Heavenly Father has made himself accessible through the gift of his Son and the shedding of his blood in his presence. So you don't have to fear. Man, I'll tell you. 
an audience with the creator of the universe. I think that we should take advantage of it. More opportunity to come into the throne and spend more time with him. Come boldly. I hear the invitation of Jesus for the Father when he says, come on to me, all you who are laboring and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me, and for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. God isn't here to make your life trouble. God came to make your life so it wasn't so heavy laden and so burdensome. It's, you know, it's like in having a really a, a st- strong, strong, strong man on your team. Some people think that walking with the Lord, you know what I mean? It's, you know, it's just too hard. It isn't. He said the way of the transgressor is hard. That's what's hard. He said, my yoke is easy. He's not putting a, you know, a big weight on you. He put it on Jesus. And all he asked for you and I to do was just to believe in your son, Jesus Christ, and what he did, and, and be grateful for that, and accept it as a finished thing for you and for me. And if you have a messed up day, he said, you know, Don't stay outside. Come inside. Let's clear it up. Because the blood wasn't just for the, you know, your old sins, it's for your new ones too. Somebody give the Lord a praise. It's not advocating, you know what I mean, that you just keep sinning. No. He says, I want you. I want you to know that this is a a powerful thing that Jesus has done. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin and unrighteousness. So every mistake that you've ever made, you know, every regret that you've had, man, Jesus took it for you. Well, that's not my message this morning, but how can I get the blessing to your house? Because it's in Jesus, only Jesus. It says, neither is there salvation in any other, for there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby men must be saved. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and life. He that believeth in me, though he... You know, die, yet shall he live. Amen. Father, I want to thank you this morning for the great gift of Jesus Christ. I want to thank you for the blood that was shed to cover our sins. I want to thank you for the grace that you impart to our lives when Jesus becomes Lord. 
I want to thank you for the mercy that you extend as we learn how to walk with you and how to learn of you. Thank you for making a way to get the blessing of the Almighty into our houses. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Time to preach. I feel like a recruiter today. And so if it comes across that way, you know, that's how I feel. But I want to suggest to you and I want to present to us investment opportunities with guaranteed rewards. Investment opportunities with guaranteed rewards. We'll throw some scriptures up there and we'll get them uh, for them, uh, uh, you know, so you see the foundational thing that uh, we're coming from, but I don't want anybody to run off, all right? All right? Don't get scared. Because I'm not after your pocketbook. I'm after your life. I'm after your life. So, Who's your banker? Who's your investment broker? In this passage of Scripture, it says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now God is not saying, let me say right here, God is not saying that it's wrong to save. But what he is saying in that passage of scripture is that savings must not be your security. Good stewardship is, you know, puts things away. But he says it's not your security. There are two people I make reference of for you in the the scriptures, and that is Achan and the rich young ruler. Both of those demonstrated that their hearts were willing to disobey God for the sake of temporal riches. Both of them. Achan took things that didn't belong to him because he wanted some temporal riches. The rich young ruler failed to secure his future, his eternal destiny, by trusting in his savings over the Savior. Next passage of Scripture. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. So there is a day of accountability. A day of reckoning. It's not something to be scared of. You know what I mean? But it's something to consider. This is not the, for the unbeliever. This is for the believer. Next passage of Scripture. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. The added to you is the things of life. Is that my last one? All right, thank you. 
priority means to arrange, to arrange our lives. Priority means that it's your greatest interest. It's what you're interested in more. Seek first the kingdom simply means that it's the, it's the invisible rule of God in our lives. Righteousness means that we're undamaged by sin and disobedience. Jesus Christ is our righteousness. Your life is not simply about you. It's bigger than your personal desires and dreams. While those are valuable and they are important, it's bigger than that. And each of us are investing our lives in something. Many are very careful when they are investing their money, but they're haphazard about investing their lives. Jesus invested his life. He did not have, though he was the creator and the owner of the world, he laid that all down. He says, foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He didn't have a house. He didn't have a place. But that didn't stop him from investing. He invested. He invested in you and I. He invested for the kingdom. Jesus is basically saying, if you want to follow me, this world cannot be your home. Can't be your home. You can live here, but it's not your home. I remember when I was 18 years old, which was July 3rd, and I don't know what, 1965. Yeah, all right. I went to work. I just graduated, and, and jobs, of course, was what, that's what you should do. And I was, get a job, go to college, do something. And I made a dollar an hour. And, of course, you mathematicians know that if I worked 40 hours, I got 40 bucks. So I did not have a lot of money to be able to invest when I was young, I was strong. I was youthful. I had a lot of life to invest. And so that's what I did. I didn't have houses. I didn't have a big paycheck, but I had a life that I could invest. And I started to invest in the church that I attended. See, Jesus' service was motivated by compassion and not compensation. 
His service was motivated by compassion and not compensation. And so as a disciple of Jesus Christ, you are connected to something, you know what I mean, that is, is bigger than us, and it's much more temporal than what we experience on a daily basis. Or excuse me, it's not temporal like we experience on a daily basis, it's eternal. The kingdom. When Jesus came preaching, when John the Baptist came preaching, he came, they came preaching the kingdom of, of God. And so we're connected to a kingdom. Jesus said, if my kingdom were of this world, then their behavior and their activity would be different. But because it's not that way, he begins to lay out to us and for us kingdom living principles. That's why they're so different than what you run into in just the regular run of the mill. Because it's a kingdom, but it's not like the world. And so as a kingdom person, you are connected to something that has no end. Isaiah 9 and 6, that, that, that the, the rule of his government, there shall be no end. We have changed leaderships in the country. The kingdom of God has not changed leadership. And it will never change leadership. It's secure in the king, Jesus Christ. But even as you are connected to a kingdom without end, you are also and need to be connected to a local spiritual family to do life with. You do life with somebody. You do life with people. And if either of these things are missing... Your understanding of the kingdom or your understanding being part of that identity with a family, you're missing something in life. So investment opportunities. Where's your bank? And who is your investment banker? The basic reason for giving, and not just, it's, I'm talking about our lives. The basic reason for giving is love. It says in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, that if I, if I you know, give everything and don't have love, it has not amounted to an investment. It does not qualify. And so when we give our life, it's, we're given it because we love. We love God because he first loved us. Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. In other words, you know, don't trust 
in the security of your savings. Being rich is not, it's not wrong. So, but he gives us the treasure principle. Number one, recognize God's ownership and acknowledge that our hearts and our lives go hand in hand. And in this kingdom, there's a pin number for your cash card. It's called faith. See, faith is for more than just withdrawals. Most of the thing that we hear about when it comes to faith is we're withdrawing something. We're withdrawing a healing. We're withdrawing, you know, a provision. We're withdrawing forgiveness. Okay, you know? We're withdrawing something from the bank. But faith also influences our investment and our investing. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that invest. Seeking is investing. Investment. So faith is forsaking all, I trust him. F-A-I-T-H. Forsaking all, I trust him. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. Or it could stand for fellowship actions impacting the habits. Fellowship actions impacting the habits. Do you have an IEA? An individual eternal account. There is both temporal and there is both eternal. The temporal will pass away. The eternal is going to last forever. And if you do, when was your last contribution? When was the last contribution? To invest with God, you have to invest your life and deposit it with Christ. I am the door. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No doubt you've done that this morning, but Paul said this, I know whom I have believed in. There's a confident confidence that can come in believing in Jesus Christ that begins to dictate and, and regulate your whole life. And I am persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him. 
until that day. God promises to reward us for how we serve. And we're going to get to the investments. The greatest consequences of unfaithfulness on earth is that it disappoints Christ. 1 John chapter 2, verse 28 says this, that we be not ashamed at his coming. At his coming. Because we almost stand before the judgment seat of Christ. To give an account of the deeds that have been done on the body, whether they be good or whether they be bad. So God has an investment funds. First one is God's treasury fund. God's treasury fund. It's all giving should have an attitude of worship. So God's treasury fund is worship. The Father seeks those that will worship him in spirit and in truth. And it is those earthly resources that you wish to convert to heavenly resources. Time is your greatest investment. Time. Time is the foundation of every relationship. Come on, now it is. You stop spending time and the relationship begins to deteriorate. And so as kingdom investors, we must come to the realization that we've got to spend some time. Time with our investment banker. Time with those who we do life with. So the treasury fund is, is, is worship. We exist to please the king. Mutual fund is fellowship. Fellowship, people that you wish to impact. That which draws you closer to God and to people. God has a growth fund. It's called discipleship. There is where you invest in character traits that you wish to develop. Character traits you wish to develop.
God also has an equity fund. It's called ministry. Kingdom service you wish to perform. Proverbs 28 and 27, he who gives to the poor will lack, will not lack. He who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord. So we have a treasury fund, a mutual fund, a growth fund, an equity service fund, and last but not least, we have an investment in God's global fund, missions. Missions. Go into all the world and preach the gospel because he's interested in every creature. He's interested in every land. He's interested in the rich and he's rich interested in the poor. He's interested in the sick and he's interested in the healthy. Says you need to invest and help me spread the gospel. Invest in the kingdom. Invest in our our lives. Promise of return and things that Christ will reward. So let me start with some simple ones, but yet powerful. The investment that you can, that I can make in prayer and fasting. We're talking about ones that have a guaranteed return. Matthew chapter 6, it says, Jesus said, when you go into your room to pray, your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. It's an investment that he says that is the first Guaranteed winner is prayer and fasting. See, God really does desire his children to seek him. When we pray and when we fast, it's putting stock in what God values and rewards. We're kingdom people. If we're kingdom people, he says that the kingdom becomes first in our lives. Jesus says that your prayer life will produce evidence. Don't get so quiet on me. You need to be able to recognize the evidence that prayer life brings. Investing in prayer and fasting, you know, begins to uh, show itself as living a life that becomes more apparent, evident like Jesus. Number one, you this morning, a guaranteed result for you and I is that if we have a prayer life in seeking God, 
Number two, you can have compassion for the vulnerable. Compassion for the vulnerable. Jesus said, wrote in Matthew chapter 25. He said the king is going to say to them on his right hand, come blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. So all of a sudden, you know what I mean? We're just not working in the kingdom, you know, in an invisible kingdom, but now we have and are living in the kingdom. And so they ask him the question. I don't quite understand this one. He said, inasmuch as you did it to the least of one of these, my brethren, you did it on to me. I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. And so investment this morning is that we'll have compassion on the vulnerable. God guarantees you and I a kingdom that's been prepared for us before the foundation of the world. He didn't come up with the idea. He planned it. Having compassion and meeting the needs of the less fortunate has a guaranteed return. Think about it. So you have compassion for the vulnerable. Invest in them. Invest in them. How about bearing insults and being excluded for the name of Christ? Kind of fits. Matthew chapter 6. Blessed are you when men hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and cast you out, cast your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for indeed your reward is great in heaven. Man, yeah. He says you really need to understand that there's a reward for this and that'll perpetuate and and stimulate joy in your present. Rejoice and leap for joy. Remember the disciples when this thing first got started and the opposition was tremendously great, you know, and, and uh, they, 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 you know, they're, they're novices, okay? They really are novices in this whole thing. And so they're out there doing the work and preaching and, you know, they come and arrest them. And they don't only just arrest them, they do what they did back there. They... Beat them. Let's bring it back, huh? No. <laughs> That'll get me in trouble. <laughs> what it says when they went to their fellow accompaniment, you know, the church, when they went to the church, it says that they just rejoiced that they were counted worthy to be suffer for the name of Jesus. Thing. Doesn't feel good, but it's it's got some real great rewards. <laughs> he said, I'm gonna reward you if you if you handle that right. If you have a good attitude about it. <clears throat> so
So persecution brings blessing and promise and reward and glorifies the Father which is in heaven. Another investment we can make and have a return in is just love your enemies. John, or Luke chapter 6, it says this, love your enemies, do good, and lend, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be the sons of the Most High. You not only get a reward, you're going to send forth a message. You just love your enemies. You see, if... I love this guy here, and I love you too, okay? <laughs> but we've been together a long time, and, and I love this guy. But my love in him doesn't get me any credit. Now, it's good for our relationship, but it does not get me any credit. He says, if you love your own, there's no credit to that. Because guess what? The world loves their own. They get along. They're happy together. So he raises the bar and says we need to love our, our enemies. And notice that it says that your reward will be great. Well, Pastor, how do I love my enemies? Well, I mean, there's a lot of ways to do it. You know, one, you can just be nice to them. Scripture says you need to heap coals of fire, and that's an interesting thing for us today, isn't it? You know what I mean? But kindness, it, it, it's, it's so overwhelming. It's, it's, it's a, such a large amount. You know what I mean? It's like heat. It begins to affect how they think. Come on, church, because they put them on your head, you see? So it begins to affect how they think. And that's what has to happen. Got to help the thought life of people. So, just love your enemies, and all of a sudden your investments are are going up. How do you love your enemy? Thank God for something good about them. If you can't think of anything, make it up. <laughs> start a start the you know start start the power of the word working somehow. You know what I mean? <clears throat> Say something good about them. Yes, and then shift your anger. Shift your anger to your own habitual sins in your own heart instead of outward. To love your enemies has a, has a return. Because when you treat them kindly, you might change your heart and gain a friend. You could gain a friend. Jesus said, Father, forgive them because they don't know 
what they do. Now, I know that it's against our, the natural tendencies. We got to close. Ask my musicians to come. It's, it's against our natural tendencies to do this. It is. What was, what's more natural is an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. I feel better about that. Right? You know what I mean? Yeah, we feel better. But it doesn't get us any kind of heavenly investments. And so it can't accumulate anything for us. And you want to have some great rewards. Your salvation's secure. That's not what he's, what he's talking about. Not your salvation. But we've got a kingdom that is going to go on for on and on and on and on and on. And that's why he said, if you're faithful in little things, I'll make you ruler over much. Yeah. So if you just get a little here and you're faithful in it, and when you get there, it could be expanded really extensively. Invest your life. Invest your life. Generous giving. Luke chapter 6 says, Give and it shall be given. Good measure, press, press down, shaken together, running over. We put into your bosom with the same measure that you use that we measured back to you again. Generous giving. Every day gives us an opportunity for us to buy more shares in the kingdom. You've heard the phrase uh, said, you know, you can't take it with you. And you can't, but you can send it ahead. Somebody give the Lord a praise this morning. (laughs) Hallelujah. Amen. You can send it ahead. That's right. Hospitality that can't be repaid. These are guaranteed acts of investment that God says, I'll make sure that you're rewarded for it. He said, when you make a meal and a feast, he said, I don't you... I want you to call. Don't ask your friends. Now, he's not saying that you shouldn't have your friends, but if you want to have, make an investment that's going to really get a big return, don't ask your friends, your brothers, your relatives, rich neighbors. I, I don't know if i got any rich neighbors. Lest they invite you back and, and repay you. Now, we should do all of those things. But it shouldn't be you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours, all right? He says, that's, that's not the way it should be. He said, you scratch their back even if they don't scratch your back back. Let's go ahead and scratch their back. Because when you do this, when you cross the shores of eternity, when you're called home, can guarantee you'll be greeted by strangers who are present in heaven because of that kindness, that deed that you did, that giving that you, that offering that you gave, that kind word that you said, that deed, you know, of asking them to your table. 
and they're going to stand there. And you don't always see the return now. But God says, I guarantee it. Whoever gives one of these little ones a cup of cold water in my name, in the name of a disciple, assuredly I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. Small investments in the kingdom bring huge return from the kingdom. He does not overlook your acts of service. Sometimes you have to endure, and I'll move it quickly. Your light of fiction is for a moment, but it's working exceedingly more, you know, weights of glory. What's happening when you endure the tests and the trials and you continue to serve the Lord in your ministry, he says this, that you are getting, will get a greater return than if Fort Knox was your reward for what you do. So hang in there. Stick in there. Don't let afflictions stop you from investing in ministry. I'll close with this one. Quality work for your employer. We've got to get practical here. Quality work for your employer. It says that whatever you do, do it heartily is on to the Lord knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of inheritance. For you serve the Lord Christ. Now that, I can't break it down for you this morning in the, in the realm of inheritance, but as you stand with me this morning. practical, fundamental investments that we can make. And you'll notice that it's how you handle life. It's how you treat people. You know, it's how you serve one another. It's the attitude that you have. The bottom line is that you can invest. You might not have money, but you got a life. Hi there, sweetheart. Yeah. She's the next preacher. I want to thank everyone in the church because you, you, you have done such a fantastic job of, of investing your life. And this is not, you know... But anyway, to try to indicate that you haven't been a great investor in life. But, you know, opportunity awaits us at every step of every day. You might not be a preacher, you may not have the words to say, but everybody has a hand that they can give to shake for somebody. Amen? That's what it is. Notice that they're all small. It's seemingly small, but they have great rewards. It says that God would be clothed with unrighteousness if he didn't remember your work of righteousness. 
he would. Now, I might not remember it, but he does. Even the people that you do it to, they might not remember, but he is guaranteed that he's got a book that he has written it it in. Hallelujah. And it comes in the most practical ways. You, when you invest what we would call naturally or temporal, it turns into not natural and temporal, but it turns into spiritual and eternal. Father, we thank you this morning for your love, your goodness, and your glory, and your call in our lives. And we thank you that you have made it possible for us to invest our lives in your kingdom. And we give you honor and praise in Jesus. Praise God. God bless you. Go this week, you know what I mean? And invest in the kingdom, all right? Amen. Do something for God today. Amen. You're dismissed.